know, the chefs or the chiefs? Yeah. And then some other, some other you were like, okay, it starts sort of, you know, you're like, hey, wait a minute now. Now you're talking about my team. And then if you're like my sisters, you know, pray for her. She's a Broncos fan, so I don't, I'm not really sure. But if I were, to, but then if I were to ask, did the Chiefs lose again? You know, it'd be, whew, a little bit. You might get a little bit more riled up and be like, man, yeah, you know, it's they're struggling and they've got this going on, this going on. But questions are, questions are a really powerful thing. Has anybody ever asked you how your day was going? And then you unloaded on them, <laughs> or you asked somebody how your day was going, and then they unloaded on you. It's like, okay, whoops, maybe I shouldn't ask that. Just get out the calendar or the notebook. Don't ask sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so how their day's going because you're going to hear about it. Praise God. Or, you know, how did work go today? You know, maybe you had a rough day at work or, you know, maybe something happened at work or you got, in, you got into it with the boss or with another coworker. you know. I mean, man, someone asks you that, you, emotions can get riled up. Things, you know, I'm, uh, I'm actually off. I've been off this whole month, and and uh, I've been helping out at home a whole lot more. And man, let me just tell you, kudos to all you moms and dads and grandparents out there and caretakers that are with your kids and with the other kids all day long taking care of them. Because that man, I feel like I can go to work and get sleep, and get <laughs> get rested up at work. Praise God. But man, being a, whew, I'm like, hey, that's a job. So none of, none of us guys or ladies that work all day or the husband or whatever your situation is, you know, who's ever taking care of those kids, that's a full-time job. And I'm a, I'm, I think I'm more tired right now than on a, on, a normal, on a normal day where I've been at work all day. But the problem is, is that I know that I don't have to, you know, I'm off tomorrow. So if this goes long, you'll just have to get up and leave. But I know you all have to get up and go to work in the morning. So, Brother Huey, go ahead and sit back down. Well, have you ever been asked, what's for dinner? Her <laughs> husband ever come home, hey, ask what's for dinner? You start, you know, duck because the frying pan is coming your way. Like, hey, babe, can you make me a sandwich? Yeah, no, you can make your own sandwich. <laughs> Questions are powerful. They can get you, you know, you come home and ask your, whew. You know, the you know, kid's been crazy all day and you come home hungry. And I, what's, you better eat before you get home. You better, <laughs> you better hit the john before you get home. Because there ain't... It's, it's time to work, praise God. But questions, questions would be a powerful thing. Have you ever been asked, guys, have you ever been asked this? Or does this dress make me look fat? Has anybody ever been asked? It's like there's not really a way to, it's just it's a no win. You just got to run. All of a sudden, I don't feel so good. Or maybe you're on the Dave Ramsey plan and, and your spouse asks, can we purchase this? Or can I buy this? It's like, whoa, do you not know that we're on a, we're on a budget, honey? I, you know, I could be fighting words. All my, I don't got any Dave Ramsey fans in the house. Two, all right. I'm going that way after church. Alarm or no alarm. Or what about this one? Did you remember to grab the milk? It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like you get it 12 bags, but you forgot the milk. It's like, ugh, got to go back and get the milk. Or did you forget what I asked you? <laughs> You ever, anybody ever been asked that by a spouse? Did you forget what I asked you? It's like, oh, those are fighting words, and it's about to get serious. But questions can be a real powerful thing. And see, questions reveal a lot about the person asking. 
And questions also reveal a lot about the person to whom the question is asked. You ever been asked, do you like me? You might remember being 14 and going up to him or her and be like, do you like me? You know, or, or maybe back then it's like, do you, do you like me? You know. I remember coming home from junior camp one time and we had gotten back and I walked into Flow Valley and, and Matt Dugas. I was, I don't know, I was 12, 13, 14 years old at the time and man, my voice was a whole lot higher than it is right now and man, boy, I got made fun of really bad for that. Or can we define this relationship? Like, ooh, man, that seems pretty serious. Questions can be powerful. Or what about this one? Or do you still love me? Oh, man, it's, I hear a pin drop in here. Questions can be pretty powerful. They can reveal a lot about the person that's asking the question or to the person to whom the question is being asked. Or what about this one? Will you marry me? I mean, how many remember asking that question, or maybe you were asked that question? Praise God. You can go online, and you can see all the thousands and thousands of ways and the different ideas of the ways that people have asked their spouse or their future spouse to marry them. And there's kind of, you know, it's kind of, kind of interesting. There's a lot of, a lot of cool ideas. Um, but I don't really find a whole lot of videos of, hey, we've been, you know, the 20-year the story. So we've got some work to do, and... In society, praise God. But questions, questions can be really powerful. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the, of the fruit from the tree in the garden? And so right at the very beginning of the Bible, we're just a couple verses in, and this is the first question in your Bible. And we know that the outcome of this question sent us on a really bad track. And so questions, depending on when you're asked or who's asking them, can be really powerful. But thank God the story doesn't end there. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 and 11, it says, Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He rep- and he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And here's another question. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? So thank God that God is, even when we make mistakes, even when we haven't had the best of days, even when we haven't done it all right, that he still, he comes and looks for us and he says, hey, where are you? Has anybody, has everybody felt God looking for you, praise God, or asked some, God sent somebody else saying, hey, where are you? Where, where are you? And so God is interested in knowing where we are. And it's not just for his benefit because he knows exactly where we are, but it's, it's for our benefit. Praise God. I'm so glad that God is looking, looking for me, looking for us. I'm so glad that the second question that was asked in the Bible wasn't, hey, what did you do? What did you do? Oh, man, you really messed up. <laughs> you know, do you know what your punishment is? <laughs> you know, sometimes like, you know, find myself... Tell them, you know, kids get in trouble. And the first thing I do is, you know, man, you done messed up real bad. You know that? Instead of, hey, Carson, where are you at? Amelia, where are you at? Charlotte, she's just like, whatever. I don't, she's, she's like, I don't care that I just spit up for the 20th time. Good luck. Clean it up again, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. 
But I'm so thankful for a God that shows his mercy, shows us his grace. And hey, he's like, hey, where are you? I want to know where you are. And it's not for his benefit because he knows where we are. But it's, it's for our benefit. Praise God. 2 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 8 says, uh, So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. And it says, There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men, everybody say 20,000 men, that's a lot of men. It's a lot of people. Laid down their lives. Verse 8 says, And the battle raged all across the countryside. It says, And more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. And so here we find, again, another example, hey, of where you are, it matters. It says, They were in the woods, and the woods caused more death than the sword. And so in a battle, you're in a battle, Hey, and we're in a battle tonight. How many knows that? We're not necessarily in a physical battle, but the Bible says that we're in a spiritual battle. Okay? But we're in this battle, and more people are dying because of their environment. And in this, and in this, in this story, hey, they were in a battle. They were in a, they were in a conflict back and forth. The, the men of Israel, the David's men against the, the northern kingdom or the southern kingdom. But they were in conflict. And their location caused more people to die in that battle in the woods than, than by the sword. And that's kind of sad. I mean, I don't want to be in a battle, and I don't want to die because of the environment. If I'm going to be in a battle, and someone, you know, I want, to, I want this sword, and I want to be stabbing somebody, and them stabbing me. I, I want to die with honor, with, you know, with valor. I don't, want, I don't want to die in the woods or because of my environment. But the problem is, is that the woods... Are in a pretty, a pretty alluring place. If you've ever been, you know, we don't, I mean, we've got some woods around here, but if you've ever been to like Colorado or Wyoming or Montana, you know, these places that have just hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of thousands of acres of woods in Idaho, and you've, you just, you know, you stand out and you just, the sun is shining. I mean, the woods are a wonderful place. I haven't got any hunters in here. Where's my hunters at? It's deer season. I know if you've ever been to, yeah, Kirby and Alice's property. You've ever been there, and you just you just sit there, and you can admire. Yeah, you got. They probably just sit there for hours in their little rocking swing, just admiring the woods. And so you, but the woods, they they're alluring. They're alluring, and they can they can, they can draw you in. And if you've ever gone into the woods, you can go to the next slide. I mean, you can just you can kind of just daydream and just kind of get lost. And hopefully, you know, how many's ever you know? Hopefully, there's a path. <laughs> there's a path into the woods. Um, go to the next slide. But the woods are just, there's just something special about the woods. They're just, you can just daydream. You, you, know, you know, as a young kid, we lived down here off Lake Road and over there by Bennett Park, there was just these little woods. And I mean, we could just, we'd go back in there for hours, just, you know, imagining all kinds of battles and just all kinds of just, hey, conflicts that, you know, you're in in your little fantasy mind. And, you know, there was a little, some makeshift old uh, uh, stove fire pit thing in there. You know, you, you know how you are when you're a little boy. You can just let your mind run wild about, oh, man, there's, you, you know, they sacrifice animals here. And you just, <laughs> you know, just, you're just being a kid, you know. Um, but there's just, you know, something special about the woods. You, you know, you can hide. You, you just all kinds of things. You can go to the next slide. But this is kind of how it starts out, though, is it starts out like Little Red Riding Hood going to Grandma's. And you've got your little basket, and you're going to go into the woods, uh, you know, to do your thing. 
But the problem is, is that you get into these woods, and because of the location, and because of the trees, and because you, you lose sight of the sun, and it gets darker in the woods quicker than it does when you're not in the woods, and there's just things in the woods that you didn't really expect to be in the woods. Go to the next slide. Okay, so yeah, no, Johnny Depp is not in the woods, so <laughs> if you're a fan of Johnny Depp, it's, he's not in the woods. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But there are, there are, you know, I got to do things to help you, and that's Wednesday. I know it's principles for life, and I know you guys are excited to learn and to grow in your relationship with God, but it, it's Wednesday, and it's, it's you know, it's, it's been a long week. Praise God. Some of you got kids. I know. I see it on your faces. Uh, you're like, whenever, hey, when's this thing over? Some of us you are asking, right? But you can get yourself into the woods, and you can get yourself all messed up. And we know people that have gone out into the woods, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking. And when you find these stories online of people coming back out of the woods, you know, they, you never go online, you never go to Yahoo or Google, and you never read these stories about people coming out of the woods, and they've, like, packed on 15 pounds of muscle, and, you know, they've got these perfectly shaved beards, or, um, you know, they're, they're in their Armani suits, you know. I mean, what do they do? They come out of the woods, and, like, they're, they're blistered, they're missing half their clothes. Uh, they're hungry. They're dehydrated. Um, you know, some of them had to cut their arms off to make it out. Uh, they're bleeding. You know, they needed rescue. I mean, nobody goes into the, you know, no one gets lost in the woods and, and comes out, you know, you know, just, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that again. That was such a great experience of being hungry for a week and not knowing if I was going to live. I just want to do that again, you know. Nobody says that. Nobody, after being baked out in the summer, I think there was a, a couple months ago, there was a guy and a girl that were hiking in Hawaii, and I mean, like, her feet, I mean, like, how did you lose your shoes? I mean, like, you were, you had shoes, and then you know, now they don't have shoes, and so it's like, you know, what, what happened to your shoes? You know, you think, if anything, you keep your shoes when you get lost in the woods, but that's just what happens. Nobody goes out into, you know, spiritually speaking, we just we don't take a little gander out into the world and say, you know, I, I think I'm just going to have, you know, I'm going to come back better than when I left. You know, when people come back in here from being out in the world, you can tell that they've, <laughs> they've been out in the world. And they smell like the woods. And they're dehydrated. And they're hungry. And they're missing some shoes. And they're missing articles of clothing. And their hair is tattered. And you can just see it in their eyes. I mean, in that one week period, you know, you went from 20 to, you know, or yeah, yeah, 55, you know, really quick. <laughs> you know, you went in nice and shaved, and you came out, and it's, it doesn't look so nice and shaved anymore. But that's what happens with the woods. And so where we are is it's real important. When we engage in this battle, it matters that we're engaged in the right battle in the right place at the right time, and that we're just not out there trying to do it ourselves or we just don't like say, I'm sick of church, or, you know, I'm done there, you know, and I'm going to go see if I can make my own way and do my own thing. It just doesn't work that way. Because when you get yourself out there lost and you try to come back, sometimes you don't come back. Uh, sometimes you don't get to come back. And we only hear this, you know, you only get to see the stories of some of, some of the times because they came back. Sometimes people are out there and you don't even know they're missing. Uh, and then you see the stories because somebody found them or a rescue crew had to go out and find them. They didn't find their way out by themselves. Somebody had to go in after them. Praise God. So we've got to be super careful as, as Jesus followers 
There's people that are trying to make it to heaven that, hey, we, I mean, it's important that you're here. It's important that we're here. Sundays, Wednesdays, prayer meetings, small groups. You got to get connected. You got to get involved because we need accountability. You can't just try to be doing this thing by yourself on your own. God didn't design it to work that way. God designed it to be that we're a body. We're connected. We're part of each other, praise God. We need, we need each other. Because when I get out there, you know, because, you know, I mean, if you've been around me long enough, you know that I can come up with some pretty great ideas. <laughs> and so, so I need somebody to come in after me sometimes and say, you know what, Brother Kevin, that's, that's, that's not how we're, that's not, you, you, no, <laughs> no. I need Brother Chris to say, Kevin, you, you got to shoot off two feet. If shooting off one foot all the time isn't going to work. <laughs> Praise God. And so we need each other because sometimes, hey, we get ourselves out there because we, we can get offended. We can get hurt. We can get discombobulated and all kinds of messed up because life happens. And so we, but we need something. Thank God. Praise God. And so, hey, if you ever find yourself in the woods, hey, get out, get out as quickly as you can. Call for help. Start a fire. Do something. Because, you, you, hey, if you find yourself in the woods spiritually, hey, you, you need to get out. And we can come and, and, you know, I don't know who I'm talking to right now. I don't know who's listening online. But, hey, we can come. We can look the part. We can dress the part. We can have all the right words. Uh, and we can still be out in the woods. Praise God. So if you're there, hey, throw the, hey, do something. Throw the SOS. Get fine. Get the fire started. Do something to help get out of the woods. Praise God. Let somebody know, hey, I'm messed up. I'm lost right now. I'm in a bad place. Joshua 10, 7 and 11 says, So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Verse 8 says, Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night to Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered a great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way to Az and Ma. Verse eleven, and the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon. The Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Az. And this is the whole point of all of that: is the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. So again, we've got the Israelites' armies in another battle. But this time, again, they're, but hey, when you're with God, when you're with the church, when you're living right, last, or last on Sunday I said, hey, we're not better than anybody out there, but we are better off, praise God, when we're doing things God's way. Hey, is that we're in the battle. I, we're in a battle, like I said earlier. We, and you know that we're in a battle. You can feel the battle raging. But the good news is, is that, hey, God's going to take care of most of the battle for us. If we're just doing what we're supposed to do, if we're being faithful with how we're supposed to be faithful, hey, God's, God's going to take care of it, all, the, all of it, what we need. We don't got to worry about it. He said more people died because of God and the hell that God was doing. More people died because of what God was doing than what the Israel people were doing. They were, but they were sweating, and they were swinging the sword, and they were doing everything that they were supposed to be doing. And that's, and that's just kind of how this thing works is you do what God tells you to do, and he's going to come up behind you and ahead of you and beside you, and he's going to... He's going to go beyond more than we can even think or even imagine he's going to do for us. Praise God. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. 
It says, And Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And Cain said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And so just a couple verses later, not only is God concerned with where we are, but he's also concerned with where our brother is. Praise God. God is very much concerned with where, where our brother is or where our sister is. Galatians 6.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. 1 John 5.16 says, If you see a fellow believer... This is brother in the, front, in the Greek, sinning in a way that does not lead to death. You should pray, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I am not saying you should pray for those who commit it. Matthew 8, or 18, 21 says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? That someone in the Greek is brother, and in this case our brother or sister. How often should we forgive each other who sins against me seven times? And so, again, God is very interested in our brother and in our sister. And thank God, thank God, because in some sense, hey, that's us that he's interested in. Bear with me for a couple seconds here. Galatians 5.26 says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. In Romans, it says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. These things I command you in John, that ye love one another. First Peter, use hospitality one to another without grudging, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In Galatians, Paul says, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. To the church in Colossae, he says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. John, a new commandment I give you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Paul to the church in Ephesus, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. John, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Paul again in Romans, wherefore receiving ye one another, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians, all the brethren greet you, greet ye one another with an holy kiss. Not that kind of kiss. In Galatians, bear ye one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Thessalonians, wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. Hebrews, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. First John, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Ephesians, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Romans, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. John, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also to wash one another's feet. First Peter, greet you with a, greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. First John, for this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that ye should love one another. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one to another. James, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. First John, beloved, let us... Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 
Leviticus, ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. First Peter, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Woo! It's impossible to obey these verses without knowing where our brothers and sisters are. We have to know where each other is if we're going to love one another, if we're going to bear one another's burdens, if we're going to care for each other. We have to know where each other is. And this message certainly isn't for everyone. I, this God has kind of been, I, I've had this on my board for a long time, and so I know God is personally dealing with me about these things. But I know as a whole, I know our church, we do a really good job at loving each other. Do you guys believe that? I mean, I, I believe that. I, but if we're going to keep moving forward, we, we, we have to go to the next level and knowing where each other, where each other is and are. Because it's, it's important to God. <laughs> and that was just some of the verses. I could have kept going, but I spared you. <laughs> but, but God went way out of his way to remind us and remind us and to remind us and to remind us, hey, that your brother, your sister, they matter. They matter. That we matter. Praise God. At men's conference, uh, a few, I guess it's been about a month or so ago. Um, some of you may know uh, Brandon Buford. He's uh, one of our fellow pastors um, on the St. Louis side. But when we were kids, uh, he's, he's probably about three or four, four, maybe four years older than I am. Um, uh, at the church there in St. Louis, he was, he was kind of that, you know, that person in the youth group that, you know, he was like the spiritual barometer. <laughs> Like, all parents were, like, measuring kids to Brandon Buford. Like, that was, you know, that was the guy that, you know, it was just, you know, every, every youth group has one of those guys or gals that gets, you know, that's the measuring stick of spirituality for, you know, being a teenager. Uh, and so he was that guy in the youth group. But that also meant that that was, like, one of the only people that my parents trusted uh, for him, for me to ride with after church on Sunday nights. Um, and so on Sunday nights, Brandon Buford, you know, he got the awesome responsibility, uh, you know, of taking, you know, some of us 13, 14 year olds, you know, that he was the only one uh, that our parents trusted, you know, to the restaurant um, after church on Sunday. And so I saw him and God just, you know, it was just, I felt like God was just like, you know, just, you know, just, you know, reminding me of, of this, and uh, so I went up to him, you know, and I said, you know, Pastor Buford, you just wanted, you know, I've never, I've never told you thank you, but I remember being 14, and just taking time for me, um, you know, to, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure I gave him gas money, but, you know, it's still, you know, when you're, you're, you know, it's still, after church on Sunday, you're still tired, you know, you still have to get up for school the next day, you know, it's still kind of out of the way, you know, so it was just, like, thank you so much for, taking time, you know, for me and making a difference in my life. And, and I know many of you have stories like that where people came and they found you. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, he's got a story like that where someone came and found you. Praise God. Yeah, I'm so thankful um, that, hey, a brother or a sister came and found us. Praise God. I know my mom, when my, you know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't probably even be here if it wasn't for Marcy coming to find my mom. Um, and so you just, just, you know, and just down through the, you know, and then I've got kids, not, they're not kids anymore, they're married and got kids of their own now, uh, you know, that would call me up and say, oh, man, Brother Kevin, I thank you so much for all that time that you invested in me. You know, and I was like, well, it was just because somebody else did that for me, you know, and I'm just, 
one of many that are doing that, you know, throughout the world for each other. Uh, but it's Bible, and we need to be doing it, and we need to keep doing it. And so if you are doing it, keep doing it, because you don't know how much it matters until it matters. Um, praise God. Sometimes we're not really good about turning back and with gratitude and saying, hey, thank you so much for, you know, all that time that you invested in me. Some, sometimes we're just, you know, for for whatever reason, we don't always look back with gratitude and say thank you. But it's worth it because God sees and God knows and God rewards. And that's, and that's all that matters. Praise God. <clears throat> Luke 10, 25 through 37. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit life, eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead on the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed on the other side and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over, um, or if you're King James Version, the Levite walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he had he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him to take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the next time I'm here. Jesus replies, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Where is your neighbor? Where is your neighbor? I'm so glad that Jesus is way concerned about where I am and that he's gone way out of his way, sent multiple people to find me. He gave me good godly parents that helped do their best to keep me on the straight and narrow but then God's also not so much only concerned about where I am, but he's also concerned about where my brother and sister is. But then he's also concerned about my neighbor. And, you know, I can't really, I can sort of say that I know some of my neighbors on the street. I'm kind of fortunate we live on a little cul-de-sac. And so when you have kids and a dog that gets out, you sort of meet all your neighbors. If anyone wants a dog. I give you my address. I'll let her out tonight. Water bowl, everything. It's all yours. She's yours. Change her name. Um, but I can't really say that I'm, you know, that, hey, I'm, that my neighbors probably don't feel comfortable to come over and say, hey, we need two eggs and a cup of flour. You know, they're, they're probably not going to ever do that. And it's probably because there's no really strong relationship there. There's no open door of, you know. Now, if they were to come, I'd give them, tw you know, 12 eggs and the whole thing of flour, you know. But they don't know that. Or they may, but, you know, it's just, 
how well do we know our neighbors, you know, or the people that we work with? And so it's not just enough for us to come and experience the presence of God. It's not just enough for us to come and, hey, man, my brother's here, my sister's here, I know where they are. But there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of neighbors out there, people that we work with, um, people that we rub shoulders with, um, that need to experience this, that need to experience what it's like to, to feel a God, to love them, what it feels like to feel the weight of sin, to be lifted, to be buried, to be washed away in the waters of baptism, to have resurrection power come into them. There's a lot of people, praise God. So where is our neighbor? <clears throat> in closing, see, I made it, we made it. Feel good. I'll promise that it's going to be a short landing, not one of those long landings. <laughs> no more five minutes. But the other night, I was sitting with my son Carson, and uh, he's in first grade, and he's starting to read. And so, you know, part of his homework every night is we're supposed to read 20 minutes. And so there's a favorite book that he likes to read. Um, but the story, um, uh, the book that he likes to read is really, it's a story that follows an unnamed character who does not like green eggs and ham. His adversary, Sam I Am, who wants him to eat it. The story becomes an exhortation as Sam persistently follows his rival through an assortment of locations. In the house, in a box, in a car, in a tree, on a train, in the dark, in the rain, on a boat. With different dining partners, a mouse, a fox, a goat. But the character finally gives in and tries the dish just to make Sam let him be. And finds it quite tasty, happily responding, I do like green eggs and ham. Thank you, thank you. Sam, I am. And, I, and as I was sitting there and he was reading this, it was just like, God was just like, like, man, I just felt so, just have not gone to that extent to try to reach out to brothers or sisters or neighbors. And for us, it's not, it's not about green eggs and ham. But is it, a, it is about eternity. And it is, it is about a love that is everlasting and mercy and hope and experiencing hope and being able to offer hope. And as Carson was reading that book, I was just like literally about the same as I am right now, just about to tears, just like, wow, I just am not even close to per Sam I am. He was after that unnamed character to get him to like that green eggs and ham. I mean, it didn't matter if they had to go on a train ride a boat ride, a car ride, if it was in a box, if it was with a fox, if it was with a mouse. I mean, it just didn't matter. It was a goat. I mean, it just didn't matter. Sam I am, he was persistent, just trying every every just trying everything that he could to say, "Hey, I know it's not what it looks like. I know it's green and most people aren't eating green eggs and ham in 2019." But if you could just try it, if you could just, just experience it just one time, you just never know. Praise God. And I, you, was, you can stand in my, I don't know, my prayer. And I think what God is just trying to, just, some of y'all, you're, you're doing way beyond this. But I feel like there's at least a handful of us that we could probably try just a little bit harder. Try just one more thing. 
Maybe it's just that one more thing, that one, that one more time of reaching out to that brother or that sister or that lost kid out there and say, hey, let's try it again. Let's do it again. Praise God. And it, it, I don't know what extent it might take us. It might take us a train ride, a car ride, a boat ride. It may, tr- it may take something totally out of the box for us to be able to reach them, but are we doing it? Praise God. Let's find a place to pray tonight. Let's just ask God to, hey, God, am I, am I doing everything that I can to reach my brother or to reach my sister or to reach my neighbor? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much tonight, Lord. Oh, God, that you know where we are tonight, Lord, that you're asking where we are tonight. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, for my brothers or sisters here tonight, Lord, if they're lost, God, I pray that they would just have the faith enough, Lord, to to say, hey, it's me. God, here I am tonight, Lord. Here I am, Jesus. Here I am, Lord. I'm I'm not going to hide any longer, Lord. God, I don't want to hide from you, Lord. I don't want to hide from your ways, from your mercy, God, or even your correction, Jesus. Lord, I'm not going to try to clothe myself tonight, Lord. Father, but cover me, Lord. God, Lord, and help us to know where our brother or our sister is, God. Oh, Lord, people that come into this place, Lord, that visit here, Lord. Lord, that spend time here, God. Help us, Lord, to know where they are. God, help us, Lord, to be following up with them, to building relationship with them, God. Lord, help us tonight, Lord, to get a hunger, Lord, a passion, Jesus, Lord, to know where each other is, God. Lord, help us, God. Help us, Lord, to be community-minded tonight, Lord. God, help us, Lord, to be responsible for each other, Jesus. Lord, and help us to be hunger hungry and desirous, Lord. God, for our neighbors, Jesus. Lord, to know our neighbors, to know their names, to see their faces. God, to be able, Lord, to have a conversation with them, to be able to reach to them and to share with them, Lord, what you've done for us. God, to share our testimony with them, Lord. God, just to simply share, Lord, that there's hope, that it doesn't look like there's hope, but there is hope. That there is life abundantly. Thank you, Jesus.